I'm thankful. Know the Lord is good. Amen. I know the Lord is good. Amen. Praise God. I asked Brother Mays if he would take a couple of minutes here and share some scriptures with us. I'm going to turn this over to him at this time. Amen. Let the will of the Lord be done. God bless you, church. Thankful for the presence of the Lord that is in this place today. Um, it's always refreshing, but I think above all, it's necessary. As I begin to commune with the Lord and talk with him, it, he brings such an essential part to the church, but it's the understanding that I wish we as people could understand. And that is the Lord being a refuge what what's hard for me to understand and obviously it brings up a question. I'm I'm only gonna take a few minutes. But the church or the people of God what hurts my heart is sometimes in the translation, things get forgotten. And so people run away to the things of the world while the people of the world are running away from those. What the Lord had put on my heart to speak today, and I just want to be used of him, if we can turn to the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 34 we're going to start in verse 14 but before I begin I just want to give a little bit of context of what's taking place in this particular moment our passage of scripture there is a new king in Judah and his name is Josiah and Josiah became king when he was 8 years old and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord See, in those times, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel were not necessarily under the same authority, meaning there was two separate kings. However, Judah wanted to stay consecrated or committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Israel, on the other hand, would follow the pagan nations and the pagan god of their rituals, of their practices, religious reformations, however you want to go about it. And the funny thing is, is the Lord drew that out to bring his people there. And the people he brought there are now going after what he just drove out. So the question that it bears, even in today's world, in today's church, if I must, is why? Why run from the truth? What is hurting you so much? Let me say that like this, I'm sorry. What is confusing you so much that you would rather follow the pagan nation and not the perfect will of God? What is happening? And in this particular scripture, Josiah it says that he began to seek after the God of David, his father. He wanted to seek what was the will and perfect will of God. I'm hurrying. And the Bible says that as years have gone by, Josiah is a little bit older, it was pushed on him to rebuild the temple of the Lord in Judah. Let me ask you this. Why is it that while the temple of the, or the altar of the Lord is in a certain land, why is it sometimes that it goes unused? Why is it that it goes forgotten? 
and turned over to something else that has absolutely no power. They destroyed the temple. Josiah's father allowed the people of Israel to destroy the altar and the temple of the Lord. Because he would rather follow their ways and not God's. And I'm hurrying. Verse 14, and, and, and as they're beginning to rebuild, restore, repair the temple of the Lord, the Bible says that they started cleaning. They were searching. They were looking around. Okay, I'm picking this up. I'm cleaning this up. I'm setting this up right. This is how it was. This is how it was supposed to be. And they were going all about the temple. And verse 14 says, And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest, found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means while they were cleaning up and restoring the temple of the Lord, they found the word. They found what was necessary to continue walking in the will of God. Why is it that sometimes we come into church and we don't look for a word? We look for a refreshment of feeling. So that I can just cry and go home and that makes me think that God is okay with what I'm doing. That's not the perfect will of God. That's not what Hilkiah found. And as we go down to verse um, 18 and 19, please. Verse 18 says, Then Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Verse 19. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. Verse 20, and the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah, servant of the kings, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah. Concerning the words of the book that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord, to do all that is written in this book. What happened? What happened in the translation of the church that they forgot what was written? What happened to where now the church says these things and has church terminology but does absolutely nothing for the people of God. The Bible says that when the king heard it, he rent his clothes. That means he was humiliated. He was ashamed because of what he heard he wasn't following. And what he thought what was right because of what he was shown for maybe grandma, grandpa, father, father, whoever is above you, you follow after that example, and he thought, well, everything's going to be all right. But it wasn't until the word showed up that finally he understood, wait a minute, I'm not right here. What happened? And that's even after all of the shrines, the pools, the images, the carved images that he tore down and burned in the land of Judah. He even went so far that he took the priests of those pagan gods and burned their bones on the altar. 
And the Bible says for this specific purpose to clean and cleanse the land. What if I submit to you today that what we do as the church can impact and change the direction of the land? What happened to that? What happened to when the church spoke the word of God, things began to happen? Now all of a sudden, the temple is desecrated. It is, it's, it's no longer even in, of value. There's no reverence to what God has done for his people. And it wasn't until the word finally came, the truth was there. Wait a minute. Hold on. Josiah said, we got to make things right. I got to get back on track. Because what is written in this book is because we don't follow the law of the Lord or we don't follow the will of God. All these plagues are going to fall upon our people. All of them. And he urged for Israel, please, come on. Sometimes it is frustrating because we may misinterpret that because we can't get somebody to live for God, that doesn't mean he can't. the significance of this is that when the church is cleansed that means it can clean the land that was Josiah's purpose we have to clean the land this is the Lord's land this belongs to him. We just pray for a second. Lord God, we come before you, Jesus. We pray your perfect will to be done today, Father. I pray your spirit move, Lord God. Bring a cleansing, Lord Jesus, that our souls and our spirits need, God so that your land may be purified and humbled before you, Jesus. That you be glorified and honored in this place. In our homes, in our marriages, Lord God, in our families, Jesus. We desire to be cleansed by you, Father. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Touch not the unclean thing, and I shall receive you. It is your word, God. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Mays. The church. Mm, it starts in the church. I'm going to take you to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 76. The scripture says that the whole earth groaneth, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's what the Bible says. The whole earth. And even us, the sons of God. So, the, the, the earth is in a shape. And I don't mean round. I mean a condition. The earth is in a condition. And the, it has been since... The, since the time that the Bible was written, the earth, the condition of the earth has been such that the inhabitants of the earth know this is not right. Let me say that again. The, the inhabitants of the earth, that's the people, know that the condition of this earth is not right. And because of that, the earth 
groaneth, that means like, oh, <sighs> why? There's a, it's a spiritual sound. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to mimic it in the natural, but it's a spiritual sound. And that groan spiritually is because the only thing the earth knows is this is not right. And there's got to be something that is right. And it says the whole earth groaneth, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Raise your hand say, that's me. So I, you're here. I'm here. The church is here. But the church is not manifested in the way that the world needs it to be. There's a difference. To manifest means to cause to appear, to show up and, 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 and be revealed. So the earth knows something better is going to happen. Something better has to happen. We just don't know what it is. We're waiting for something. And the sons of God, that's you and that's me, we're waiting for something. We're <laughs> there's a lot of different somethings, a lot of people waiting on a lot of different things, even inside the realm of the church. Some people are waiting for uh, better church services. Some people are waiting for their opportunity to preach. Some people are waiting for their opportunity to sing. Some people are waiting for something to be given to them. But the church, the sons of God, should be waiting and watching for the Spirit of God to empower them to do what they're supposed to do. Even that means different things for different people. Because when the Spirit of God empowers you to do what you're supposed to do, that looks different than the Spirit of God empowering me to do what I'm supposed to do. Or the person sitting next to you. I think a lot of times we feel like we're just going to get caught up in this huge, I don't know, glory cloud or something. And it's going to be like one of those dust twisters that nobody can miss. And Wow, did you see that? Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the church on the move. That's the church going and doing what it... I don't know that that's the way it's going to happen. I don't know that the Lord is just all of a sudden going to... My church is now doing what it's supposed to do. I think the Lord is looking for who, what man, what woman is going to get in line with my will and my purpose for their life because as soon as they do, that's the cloud. That's the witness. That's what the world needs to see. Luke chapter 1, verse 76. This is, these are the words prayed by the father of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist is about to be born... Most of you probably know that story. I won't take the time to go into it today, but he was a priest and an angel showed up and said, you're going to have a son. And he did not believe it. He said, how in the world is that going to happen? My wife's barren. We haven't had a child all these years. And because of that disbelief that he expressed, he lost his ability to talk. He lost his ability to talk. And for nine months he couldn't talk until finally he got in line with what the angel of the Lord told him on the day. You know, I, I'd imagine when he started to see that, that belly of his wife start to grow, he's thinking, oh my goodness, that's, that's really happening. But he still had to wait a little bit longer and a little bit longer until he realized, okay, I was wrong in the expression of my disbelief. And I'm repenting of that. And Lord, you're right. This is going to be our son. And yeah, his name is going to be John. And right as he starts to make that turn, he, he gets his voice back. That's, a, that's a, an amazing thing right there, that miracle. But then he starts to say he's going to be called John. And he's got a purpose on his life, a calling. So what we read here 
is some of the words that he says when he's talking about the calling and the purpose of his son. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord and to prepare his ways. You're going to be the prophet of the Lord. You're going to go before him, preparing his ways. Next verse. To give knowledge... So you're going to go for this purpose, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. This is your purpose, son. This is the calling of God on your life. You're going to go start to prepare the way and you're going to start giving knowledge. Now, he, he's, tell, he's telling this baby, infant. You're going to do this. When the Lord's timing is such, you will do this. And you will, you will cause people to learn. That's what it says, to give knowledge. Your words, John, are going to impart knowledge to other people. They're going to get smarter just by hearing you speak because of the things that you're going to say. There's a word in you. I feel this prophetically right now over you. There's a word in you. There's words for you to speak that not because you finally graduated from a course that now you've got you know, enough credence to say it and oh yeah that is a smart person no because of the word that's in you when you speak it it's going to give knowledge to the hearer to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins so you're going to tell the people that their sins will be remitted and they will have his salvation next verse through the tender mercy of our God, that's how you're going to do it, whereby, that's how the salvation comes, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, the next verse, to give, he's still telling his purpose, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. By the way, son, when you go to talk to these people, now I know they not you know they have lights on in their house. They've got the candles. They've got the the sunlight or whatever it is. There's natural light around them, but they're sitting in a spiritual darkness. And what you do, these words that you speak, are going to give light to them. So now he's not just giving knowledge; he's giving light to them that sit in darkness, and then the last phrase, to guide our feet into the way of peace. John, you are going to be the guy. I, <laughs> I just had this funny visual. If you let me tell you this story really quickly. When I was a teenager, the church that I was involved in, we did a... Uh, we did a walk-through drama. We had this huge barn, empty barn, and we hung uh, plastic, black, like black plastic tarps from the ceiling to the floor to, to try and create a little hallway, a little walkway from what we had scenes, from this scene to this scene to this scene. But every year, we had to have, we called them tour guides. The people that hold the flashlights is who they are. And so, because they've got a crowd of five or ten people that are following them, and, and these people are just never been there before, don't have a clue what's going to happen. This, this was not like a scary haunted thing. This was like a, like a, like a church play, if you will, like a drama. That we, but we'd lead them to this scene and this scene. But those tour guides would say, all right, because they'd get where they're supposed to be. Whew, some lights would come on, and they would see that one little room. And then when that scene's over, whew, the lights go off, and it is dark, pitch black, dark. And so the tour guide has to say, all right, flip on the flashlight, follow us. Shine the light on the floor. There's a wall here. You've got to turn here. And, and if, if it hadn't been for those guides, 
those, that crowd, those people would have never made it through from start to finish. That's exactly the visual that the father, Zacharias, is giving to John. You will be the tour guide to guide our feet into the way of peace. This Jesus that you are the forerunner of, he is the way of peace. You are going to get us from here to him. Guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, this phrase, I feel the Lord is speaking this phrase to us today. The way of peace. Would you say the way of peace? The earth does not have peace. Jesus pulled his disciples together and says, My peace I give to you, not as the world giveth. The world gives a kind of peace, but it's not my peace. My peace I leave with you. Because the world gives you something, but he says in the world you will have tribulation. Problems in the world. That's a promise from God, by the way. And it's not just to those who are not saved. It's to all of us. He was talking to his disciples when he said, in the world you will have tribulation. If his disciples didn't escape it, I don't know what makes me think I'm going to escape it. In the world, I'm going to have tribulation. He says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So the peace that I give you surpasses anything that this world can give. Now, the world would try to give you something and call it peace, but it is not peace. It's not the way of peace. The scripture says there's a way that seems right unto man. The end thereof are the ways of death. Death and peace are not the same. They're not even close to the same thing. Your ways will lead you to your death. His ways will lead you to his life and peace. Romans chapter 3. Paul's writing here. He's going to recall a scripture, an Old Testament scripture. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. It, it, in the midst of this kind of uh, dissertation that Paul's writing about the difference in Jews and Gentiles, or the difference in Jews and Greeks, he, he inserts this little uh, part that we're going to read here. What then? Are we better than they... No, in no wise. Let me just stop right here. I know where this is going. You guys don't know where this is going. Let me just stop right here and tell you, judging groups of people, one versus another, this type against this type, will not get you anywhere in Christ. Okay? He's using Jews and, and Gentiles. That's it. That is a, it's, it's actually twofold. It's a, it's a race thing. And it's a spiritual thing. Either way you look at it, it's not right. Are we better than they? I think some of us just need to have this conversation with our families. Are we better than they? You want to talk about a good conversation starter at the dinner table? Ask that question. See what kind of answers you get. Are we better than they? No, in no wise, in no way. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. You take whatever groups of people you want to put one against the other. I don't care if it's based on color of skin. I don't care if it's based on gender. I don't care if it's based on age. I don't care if it's based on region. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter. You, you can draw all the distinctions you want and say, well, this group does this and this group does this. And that one's like this and this. However far up that chart you're going to get, eventually you're going to get to this word sin. We're all under sin. So I don't care how far down you want to drill from that. Yeah, we're under sin, but we're a little bit better still. Really? Which direction are you going with that conversation? Because if you're going up to where you're all under sin, I don't care. Uh, we just have a better revelation than they do. No. <laughs> are you still under sin? We've proved, Jews and Gentiles, we've proved that all are under sin. Oh, those young people, they just don't know anything. Let them, give them a few years and they'll learn. Oh, those old people, they don't know anything. Are we all under sin? We've proven that. Next verse, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Anybody wants a good memory verse, a nice short one? There you go. As it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. You start there with that memory verse and you could preach a while. You don't even think you're a preacher. You just read and start talking about what that means. Nobody's good enough. Nobody is righteous on their own. Not one. Not Bishop Schoonover. <gasps> Did I just say that? Not Elder Flowers. Not one. There is none righteous on their own. The Bible says it. I think this was said last week. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. What we have to offer when we think we're good and all that and doing right and the best and there's not one righteous. Keep reading, verse 11. There is none that understandeth. So not, on, <laughs> not only are you not right spiritually, you don't even know. Sometimes you got to, if you have little kids around, sometimes you got to have that conversation. It's a kind of, it sounds kind of harsh, but you don't even know what you're talking about. Trust me. I've been there. You don't know. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Wait a second. I might not have much understanding, and I might not be righteous because I still got flesh, but yeah. I love God and I want to live a Christian life and I want to do what's right and, and love my neighbor and, and all those things. And no. <laughs> Okay, you're just proving that you don't know the scripture. There is none that seeketh after God. The Bible says it's him that works in you to will and do of his good pleasure. What that means is as soon as you get the idea, the thought, you know what, I'm going to be good. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to read my Bible. That's not you. That's him working in you. So you still want to try to take the credit. There's no credit to be had here in case you can't see this. There is none that seeketh after God. Verse 12, they are all gone out of the way. Out of the way. There's a way. They're not going that way. All, just like Paul has he said it, all under sin. They tried to go the right way, but they're under sin, and that sin got them out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. When they're speaking, it's poison. That, that, that voice that they're opening up to is, is deathly, poisonous. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift 
to shed blood. Now, I'm reminding you, we're reading Romans chapter 3, right? And Paul is saying, as it's written. So he's talking about another passage where it was written, all these things. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their, are in their ways. Destruction and misery are in their ways. You ever heard the saying, misery loves company? If I'm living my life and things just are not going right, I mean, it's not hard at all for me to find something to complain about. Yeah, it's great, but this is going really good, but I'm just miserable. Or, you know what, I'm just waiting for it to all fall apart. Anybody ever known anybody like that? They, they, they can't have anything go well enough. Well, that's pretty good, but you know what? You could have done that a little better. I could have done that a little better. That's probably not going to last. It's going to break. You, you didn't use enough of the right material for that. <laughs> Destruction and misery are in their ways. The next verse, and the way of peace. You remember that phrase, the way of peace? John the Baptist is sent to guide our feet into the way of peace. It says it here, and the way of peace they have not known. All that stuff that's said about the person, they, they don't know anything, they're not righteous, they, they have poison in their words and all that because they haven't known the way of peace. Who's the way of peace? Jesus, the way of peace they have not known. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. I'm almost done. I want to take you to Isaiah. That's where these original sayings come from. But he actually goes even further in this. And I feel like as old as the Bible is, as long ago as it was written, you know, there was no internet in Isaiah's day. There was no AT&T. There was no TNT. None of this. <laughs> there was no Remington. No Smith & Wesson. No Glock. No Toyota. None of that in, in his day. But here's what they would say about that day. Isaiah, if you don't know, this is in chapter uh, 59. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. The book of Isaiah is, is a man trying his best to express the feelings of God. He's a prophet. He's being told, say this, Isaiah. Tell people this. I need people to hear this. So he's trying his best to ex express the feelings of God. He says it right here in, in Isaiah 59.1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Isaiah, I need somebody to express what I'm feeling. I could get to them in an instant. I could save them in a moment. I could turn their life around in the blink of an eye. But they have this one thing separating me from them. This one little thing in their life. Because it's there, I can't be there. That's what it means to be separate. Something between. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Verse 3, for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. Verse 4, none calleth for justice, 
nor any pleadeth for truth. So he said, your hands are covered in blood, but nobody's asking for justice. Nobody's asking for the truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. Your tongue hath, verse 4, they speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. We're talking about the world, this earth. Their feet, verse 7, their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. Destruction and misery are in their way. See, he's, he's quoting, just with his own language, he's quoting what the scripture says. Destruction. Wasting. This is the way that they're living. The way of peace, verse 8, the way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. I believe it's this simple. The Lord would roll out a straight path for us to walk in. All people, all you have to do is walk straight. But he says they've made for themselves crooked paths. Imagine you're on a hike with the Lord. And he's telling you, we're going to get somewhere and it's going to be awesome. Just stay on this path. All right, I can do that. We're walking. This is good. This is cool. This is fun. Oh, Lord, did you see? We just passed something really cool. I know, but we're going straight. All right. Oh, there's another one. How come we're not stopping to see those? We're going straight. We're going straight. Okay, but I really want to see the next one. Here it comes. Here it comes. Lord, Lord, there it goes again. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting the picture. He's not going to stop where I want to stop. He's trying to go straight, but I want to see some stuff. Here it comes. I'll catch right back up with you. I'm just going to go see this real fast. Oh, get back on the path. Whew. I was close. We're going. We're going somewhere. Oh, hang on. This one looks cool, too. I'm just going to go over here a little bit. And we're making crooked paths when he says, I've made a straight way. My way is peace. You get off of this path, there's no promise of peace. There's no guarantee. I am the way of peace. My way is peace. Everything else, destruction, misery. And you know what? You get off of that path long enough, and you're starting over here, and you're building something, you're doing something awesome, and destruction happens there, and you want to get mad at him. He let this fall apart. I never even told you to go over there and build that. We're going this way. I'll show you another one. We're going on the way of peace. March it. Oh, hang on. Here comes my little crooked path. I'm going to get out here. Oh, there's a guy here. I'm going to meet him. I'm going to talk to him. He's telling me about how rude you were to him, Lord. He's full of misery. This guy, he's got some bad stuff to say. He's been through bad times. He's miserable. And the Lord's up here saying, I know I never told him to go that way either. My way is peace. Then you get a, a crowd over here off the path. Oh, there's strength in numbers. You know what? I bet if we get together, enough of us, 
we can make the Lord realize he did us wrong. Because they were all over here. Misery loves company. Let's take our complaints to the Lord. He's, he's a lot more patient and loving than I am. Because I would say, I never took my eyes off of the direction. I'm going this way, and I told you all you have to do is follow me. That's it. Who's to blame? But no, the Lord, whew, thank the Lord. He'll spend time with us. Why don't you tell me what it was that got you off of this path? Why don't you explain to me? I'm here to listen. I'm loving. I'm long-suffering. I'm patient. I know where the peace is. I know we're headed to the peace. I know that you have none of it because of where you got off on this path and who you've been with on the beaten path, the crooked path. And there is no hope there, and I know that. Let me help you. Come on. Let's get back on the path. I'll walk beside you for a little bit. I'll hold your hand. We're going this way. It's the way of peace. And the Lord's holding our hand, and we're walking, and all of a sudden his hand starts to do this. Come on now. We're walking. Uh, hey, hey, get back over here. We're trying to walk. I'm trying to lead you. <laughs> and then we get over here off the path and we mess up and we're misery and destruction and we pray, just lead me, Lord. Just lead me, Lord. Okay, get my hand. Come on. We're walking. Hey, I feel that. <laughs> he knows the way of peace. The moment I've got no peace about anything, I should just realize I'm not walking in his way. I'm not walking in his direction. I'm not letting him lead me. He will lead. The scripture says it. He's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want one person to be met with destruction. He doesn't want one person to be met with misery. I've got a way. I'm going to keep reading. I'm almost done here. Isaiah 59, verse 8. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. Okay, let me go back to this analogy just really quickly. He's got the way of peace. We're walking in it. We get off of that path. We get over here into destruction. And before you know it, there's a little, there's a little group here that becomes a company, that becomes a, 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 a town, that becomes a city, that becomes a group of cities, that becomes a country becomes a nation <laughs> and we're sitting here and we're off of the path but we're sitting here amongst ourselves saying you know what we need some some rules we need some guidance we need some justice we need you know what you need you need peace it's over there <laughs> but we, we get up here and we put our thing together and we build it and here we are, we're a nation, we're a group of people. We are our country that we're proud of. And then we start to fight. I like it better on this side of the path. No, I like it better on this side of the path. No, better on this side. Oh, hang on, hang on. I'll step in. I love to judge people. Let me give you some rules. And all of this is happening off of the path that Jesus would set for us. But no, we'd rather sit over here and you know what? God forbid one of them get mad and hurt the other one. Because now we need justice. We need judgment. Who's right and who's wrong? You're all wrong. The path is over there. 
That's as plain as I can put it. Last verse, verse 14. And judgment is turned back, turned away backward. And justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Why don't you stand with me? We're talking about the earth. We're talking about the inhabitants of the earth. This world. The scripture says it. I, I mentioned it at the beginning. The whole earth groaneth, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. We need the right way. We need the way of peace. We need his way. The earth just knows this is not right. This is not the way we're supposed to go. I don't know. We've been off the path for so long, I don't even know which way we're supposed to go. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. The sons of God know. The sons of God know who's right, who's wrong. It's not us. We're all under sin. But there is one. He would guide you into the way of peace. He would lead us and establish us in a way of peace. I'd like us to pray together. I believe the Lord is, he, he's wanting to give us, first of all, he's wanting to give us answers to what's going on around us, what we're seeing around us. Why are things like this? But in, in addition to that, he would give you a challenge and say, I can help you, I can use you, and we can make this better. We can get into the way of peace. We can guide others into the way of peace. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, we're seeking you right now. We're seeking you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we desire the way of peace. We desire the path, God, of righteousness. God, we desire the ways of understanding. Jesus, we desire to know your ways. Your ways are above our own. Lord, your thoughts are above our own. We confess as the scripture says, Lord, there's none righteous. Lord, I know I'm not the one with the answers. I know I'm not the one, Lord, with all the wisdom to give and the experience or knowledge, but that comes from you. Jesus, it comes from you. It comes from a life being led by you. Jesus, I believe that you would lead us today. I believe that you would guide us today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let the Lord lead you. Let the Lord lead you. Hallelujah. I'm going to open this altar right now. I'm going to invite you to come and find a place of prayer that the Lord would lead us into. Find a place of prayer that he could take your hand and say, come on, my child, I will lead you. I will guide you. I will walk with you. You know the way, Lord Jesus. You know the way, Lord Jesus. You know the way, Jesus. You are the truth. Father, you are the life. You are the way. Beside you, there is no other way, O oh God. You have all power, all wisdom. You know all things, Lord. You know what this world needs. You know exactly what every individual needs. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I want to be used by you to reach my world. I want to be used by you, Father, to share the way, to share the truth, to share the way of peace, God. I believe you would lead us into that path today and then help us lead others into it, Jesus. God, in your name, let there be a witness of your spirit. Let there be a witness of your spirit in my life, God, in my decisions, Lord Jesus, 
in the way that I am headed, in my direction. I want to, I want there to be a witness of your spirit. right now. The Lord is pulling right now. He wants to put us on the path to peace. He wants to put us in the way of peace. Just put your hand in the hand of the Lord. Let Him guide you. Let Him guide you into all peace.
there's nothing like it. We've heard it all today, so many different paths we can follow, so many different examples that we can follow. But the one that matters is the one that leads to peace. I believe that is a goal of ours as the sons, as the daughters of the living God, that we would attain peace through him. Amen. Before we dismiss, if we can just pray, I want to go in peace from here today. What we heard today was not something of going against another and no. What we heard today was choosing the peace of God over whatever this earth could ever offer us. So as we bow our heads and pray, I just ask you, let the Lord, let the Lord put peace on you today. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord God. We thank you for your word that was in the house today, Lord God. We thank you for giving us the word today, Lord, that we give ourselves unto you, Jesus, so that you may work peace in us, God. Not so that you can have whatever. Lord, it's because we want to please you, God. We walk in peace, Lord Jesus, with you, Father. I pray as we leave today, I pray peace in homes, peace in marriages, peace with children, peace in the jobs, peace in the storm, peace in the trial, Lord. I pray we stay fast, fastened on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for coming. And go in peace. <laughs>